Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the Mother's Day, then you know today is my second time to speak (laughs) on a Sunday morning. But I had a birthday this last week, so I'm wiser, and I will probably do way better today than I even did on Mother's Day, because I'm 29 now with with seven years' experience, and so I expect that you will just be wowed by that fact, but um, I appreciate this opportunity. And so, you know, as I was trying to decide what I wanted to share with you, I, although this is my second time to speak on Sunday mornings, I've, we've, I've spoken in front of youth on a number of occasions and in front of women and children. And even this year, Billy and I got to speak in front of the pastors of our section of the Assemblies of God. And I, I figured if I could survive that, I could pretty much survive anything. And so, um, I've always, though, I've always shared, when I begin to uh, put together something to share, it's always been out of uh, the activity of God in my life, or the activity of God uh, in the body, what we're seeing Him experience, and it's along those nuggets of truth that I've always based a message, and so after Mother's Day, and Billy and I were, you know, just talking about the day, and talking about the message, and I told him at that time, I said, you know, I feel challenged to... um, maybe speak from a different style. You know, I just kind of said that fleetingly and then moved on and and really hadn't given it a lot of thought, but that did occur to me. And over this year, and even I think even before January, as we've sat in on vision meetings um, with the staff and just Billy and I together, many times, um, nothing more, nothing less, that sermon series and, and even the sermon series we did over the Duck Dynasty and Meet the Robertsons, I kept coming back to this passage of scripture where Elijah meets the widow at Zarephath. And I would say, you know, this would be a good message, a way for us to go maybe in this. And yeah, we discuss it. And yeah, that's good. That's good. But nothing ever really came about from it. And so a few days ago when I sat down with all of my Bible and my laptop and all my notes from devotion and the things that Billy and I had talked about and everyone I could connect with life on and, and every time we would talk about a certain subject, oh yeah, that's good, I think that's a really timely word. And then I sat down with all of that in my lap and I couldn't connect to any of it. And I didn't feel like any of it was right and I kept thinking about the story of Elijah and the widow at Zarephath. And even though I had mentioned it to Billy to preach, probably a half a dozen times I had, I have to admit to you, I had, I mean, I knew the story, but I hadn't gone and read it or anything. I just kept saying, I think that'd be a good story for that. I think, I think, oh, I think this would fit. And yeah. And so that story just kept coming to me. And so I pulled my Bible out and I turned to first Kings chapter 17, which is where I'll read for me, for you today. And I began to build a message in a style contrary to anything I've ever done. And so This must be because I've had this birthday and I'm wiser now. (laughs) But here we go for today. So if you're there, let me read to you. Beginning in verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, 
There shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward, and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens, ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and stayed at the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, the bread and meat in the, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and he came to the gate of the city, which indeed, indeed, the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little drink and a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as I have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Will you help me pray? Dear God, I, I thank you for this opportunity. And Lord, I pray that you use me, God, that you would bring to my remembrance thoughts, stories, and illustrations to better communicate your word. God, I know that, that this is a timely word for each of us here today, and Lord, that we will be challenged by what you have for us. God, open our hearts and our ears to receive, and God will be quick to give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Something that's really big in our culture right now is superhero films. It's funny, Zane, if you know Zane, you know that Zane has his own little uh, language. He makes up words all the time, and that was one thing, even on vacation, he, was, he cracked us up because he's always making up words, and then we start using his words, so I don't know. We, we may be <laughs> not exactly right, but when the Avengers come out, Zane called it the Kavinges, so we all went and saw the Kavinges. And, you know, the funny thing about superhero films is that they reach out to all uh, sects of people. You'll see young people there, six-year-old little boys. You'll see older people, men, women. It really doesn't matter. Everybody likes a superhero film. I especially like the ones like Batman or Robin Hood where it's just an average person who steps onto the scene because of corruption in their town, corruption in their area, things going wrong, and they come in out of obscurity, just an average person to save the day. And, you know, in this story of Elijah, we see very much that it's like Elijah. When I was reading it, this is the very first account that we have of Elijah in Scripture. And it picks up and it says, and Elijah the Tishbite, as if we're picking up in his story and we know exactly who he is. But this is the first account. We know nothing about Elijah. And so when I read that, it's kind of like it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. You know, we don't, we don't even know anything about him. He's just, this is his first time onto the scene and he steps out. 
and he stands before this king and he makes this proclamation. And if you know anything about scripture, anytime anyone is introduced, we always are given some sort of history about them, but we're not given very much about Elijah. We aren't told, you know, his lineage or maybe his training. We don't know much about his parents. He's just, he's just Elijah. He's just a man. We know he's a prophet. Probably they knew he was a prophet by the way he was dressed, but nothing's mentioned about anything about his background. Very little emphasis is placed on his background. He's just simply called the Tishbite from the inhabitants of Gilead. And so here he is, and he stands before this king. And if just to refresh us all on Ahab, let's go back to King David. King David has a son, Solomon. We know Solomon becomes king after David. And toward the latter part of Solomon's reign, he begins to allow um, idol worship to begin to happen in the kingdom of Israel. He allows the, them to marry foreigners and then make alliances with these foreign countries. And so this allows idol worship to come in. He also begins to heavily tax the people. And um, so when Solomon dies and his son Rehoboam takes the, the throne, ten of the tribes, except for Judah and Benjamin, approach him under the leader of Rehoboam was the son under Jeroboam. Try to keep those two straight. He approaches Rehoboam and he says, hey, let's, let's try to do away with some of these taxes. And, of course, they don't. And so they can sort of do their own Boston Tea Party and they just secede from the nation of Judah and they become the nation of Israel. And now 50, around 58 years later, we have King Ahab. Every king after that succession was evil. And they became more evil and more evil and more evil. And now we have King Ahab, and he's taken the throne, throne after his father. We know him to have married Jezebel. And Jezebel was wicked in and of herself. She's introduced Baal as an idol worship for, for the kingdom of Israel, and everyone is worshiping everyone but God. And so here Elijah steps out, this superhero, and he stands before this king, you know, I was always scared to speak on a Sunday morning because I was afraid that I would maybe talk for five minutes and I would leave and we would all get out of here at 1125 and y'all would make fun of me. But Elijah's first sermon is one sentence long. He says, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. One sentence long, so it made me feel better to know that Elijah, this superhero of the Bible, his first message was just one sentence long, so it gave me hope. I knew I could do it. Even if you made fun of me, I could make it. And here he stands before this evil, vile king, and he says there's not going to be rain until I say there's going to be rain. You know, David in his time and in all of his battles had fought very hard to annihilate worship of Baal to annihilate idol worship. In fact, he had pretty much wiped it out of the children of Israel, but now we can see it's being reintroduced into this kingdom. But Elijah stands there. His name meaning, I, I'm sorry, his name meaning my God is Yahweh, stands in front of this vile king and makes this proclamation in and of himself. Not only is he saying there's not going to be rain until I say that there's not going to be rain, but he's saying, my God is Yahweh, the, God, the very God that you're trying to do away with, the very God that you're trying to push out. He stands there, my God is Yahweh, and I, whom I stand before today, and I tell you there will not be rain until I say there is rain. His very name declaring who he is, his allegiance to God, and his protest against Baal. My God, Elijah, my God is Yahweh. 
Elijah, the superhero. From the beginning of time of opening the doors of this church, many, many speakers have stood up here and they've each told us that God has a purpose for our lives. He's told, I can remember when Sarah Worley was here and she told us that God had a unique assignment for each of us. Same is true even for you as it is for me. Your name's declaring something. Elijah's name was declaring that my God is Yahweh. What is your name declaring? What is your name saying about who he is in your life? We're all created with unique opportunities, with unique potential, and they're limited only by our attitudes. They're limited only by our faith and our awareness of God and only by our availability to him. So in other words, who am I? And who are you? What is your name? What does your name say about you? What statement are you making with your life? See, Elijah stood there and he was making a bold statement. He was saying, I don't worship Baal. My God is Yahweh. His very name said, I mean, we know nothing about him. He, he was an average person as far as we know. I mean, possibly he had godly parents with his name being this, but we don't even know if that was his name from birth. We know nothing about him. Superhero names are always tough. They always make a statement. Superman, Batman, the Hulk. I mean, we wouldn't follow a super name, superhero named Frank. I mean, what's... dun da 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 Frank! I mean, really? No! Daisy! No. We want a superhero that's tough, that their name declares something. And you've got a name in the kingdom, and your name declares something. What is your name declaring? Who are you? What is your name? What statement are you making with your life? Are you living on purpose? Are you living intentional? Are you living with allegiance to God? Are you living in protest to the God of this age? These are all questions we have to ask ourselves. You know, it would be easy to say, well, he was Elijah and he was in the Bible and he was somebody, but we know, that, I mean, I've just said to you, we know nothing about him. None of that. So it doesn't say that he was trained like Paul from his birth with all the law. It doesn't give him a great ancestry or lineage. We, we, we do away with all that. We know he doesn't have all that. We try to excuse ourselves many times from people, characters of the Bible and live a mediocre, run-of-the-mill life because we think, well, they were chosen by God because they were something special, and I'm just me. And so I can't be that, and I can't, I can't live that way. If you were here Wednesday night, we talked about in James 5, verses 16 and 17, it says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may healed, be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. He was a man with a nature like ours. He was like you, and he was like me. He was not of the who's who of the day. He was, they didn't know who he was when he stood up there. All he was was boldly proclaiming, My God is Yahweh. He rose above his weaknesses. He rose above his temptations. He rose above his personal failures. He rose above his fears. And he lived a life based on his name and not based on his inadequacies. He lived based on my God is Yahweh. Everywhere he was weak, God was strong. And he lived on that. He didn't live on what he didn't have, 
on the past he didn't have and maybe the upbringing he didn't have and maybe the parents he didn't have. And you can sit and you can disqualify yourself all day long. Well, I wasn't raised up in church. And I don't, I, don't ha- I don't come from a good family or I don't have the money or I, I don't have the right this and I don't have the right that. But that's living based on yourself and based on your own inadequacies. Live based on God is your God. Live based on my God is Yahweh. Live like Elijah. Let him be strong in your weakness. Don't live based on yourself. Elijah rose, rose above it, and he stands before this vile king, and he delivers the word of the Lord. And then if you'll notice in verse 2, as soon as he finishes, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, God gives him a word. He goes to the evil, vile king. He delivers the word. And then verse 2 says, And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, I find that interesting, don't you, that in his obedience... The next word came. Many times we say, you know, God, God's not telling me what to do. I don't know what to do. God's not telling me what to do. God's not answering my prayers. God's not speaking to me. Well, have you done the last thing that he told you to do? Because if we didn't do the last thing he told us to do, then why would he tell us something else to do? He's waiting on us. God is always speaking. He's always speaking. And if we haven't heard him, maybe we need to examine and ask, have we done the last thing he told us to do? Elijah appears before the king, and he, he completes his assignment. And then verse 2, very next, then the word of the Lord came to him saying, His obedience and his application gave him a greater capacity now for God to speak to him again. His obedience and his application. If God speaks to us, do we obey and do we apply what he tells us to do? Do we fall in line with that? It gives us a greater capacity more insight into his truth and a sensitivity to his direction. Ears to hear. He prayed, Elijah was always praying for more. I mean, the, the scriptures doesn't tell us that, but for God to immediately speak and to immediately lead him out of there tells us he had this constant prayer life with God. Do we find ourselves constantly praying, God, God, rescue me from my situation? Rescue me from my circumstances. Could it be that we don't pray on the front side and we just hope that God's on board with the decisions that we make? And we just hope that we're following in the steps and the the path that he would have us go. We know that where he leads, he blesses. But even more than that, it's his responsibility to provide. I don't want to have to rely on my responsibility. If I invite you to come to my house to eat, And you come to my house and you knock at the door and you knock at the door and finally you open the door and you walk in and there I am laid up on my couch. And I say, oh, you're here. What are we going to have for supper? You're probably not going to come back. I mean, you know, I invited you over. It's my responsibility, right, to provide for you. I don't invite you to my house and expect you to come and feed me. If I invite you over, it's my responsibility. If God's inviting us on a journey, and he is, he's inviting each and every one of us on a journey, and it's his responsibility to provide. It's his responsibility to make sure that you have everything that you have need of to fulfill what he's called you to do. And so just like when Elijah stood before this king, as soon as he finishes, it says, and then the word of the Lord came. His obedience, his application of what God asked him to do, provided now for the next step, provided now for the next thing. 
And not to do away with these next few verses here, but I, I want to read through them quickly. It says, chapter, uh, verse 3, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide in the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook and have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and stayed at the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and the bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain. Well, duh. I mean, you would think he... If, I, if this had been me and the word of the Lord had came, in my account it would have been April got every shoe, every bowl, every baggie, every pan, everything she could find because she knew that it was not going to rain. I mean, she said it wasn't going to rain. And she began gathering water because she's going to at some point run out of water. So I began, you know, I fill up my bathtub, I fill up my sinks, I fill up everything that can hold water. But it says, I mean, immediately Elijah leaves, and it says, and then it happened after a while that the brook dried up. Well, he said the brook was going to dry up. I mean, did he think he was going to get to live there forever? I find it funny that never once do we see Elijah question God, grumble. You've led me to this brook. This brook you told me to tell them it wasn't going to rain. And you've led me to this brook that has not dried up, God. What am I going to do? I have no water. How am I going to do this? but never once. He knew that God had led him there, so there was no panic. There was no questioning. I find myself panic and questioning a lot sometimes when, in, when what I thought would happen didn't happen, and when my present reality doesn't line up with my perceived reality, and I begin to question what's going on, but we don't see that in Elijah. Elijah's led to the brook. The brook has brought him water all these days. Now the brook's dried up. Then if we turn to verse 8, it says, then the word of the Lord came to him saying, again, again, he had obeyed. He had applied what God had told him to do. He went to the brook. The brook supplied for him for a season. But now that supply is taken away and he waits. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, again. I think it's great that he doesn't question God and he doesn't go on this bicker session with God. You brought me here. You gave me this job, God. And now this job is going away. You gave us this home, God, and now this home is going away. He trusted God. He knew that if God was taking it, God was going to bring something else in its place. And can I say to you today that if God's taken it from you, don't hold on to it with everything that you've got. Let it go. If God's taken it, give it to him. He has something better to give you. It's where you're at today may be what you're supposed to have for today, but it may not be where you're supposed to be tomorrow. And so live your life with an open hand for God to place in your hand and for God to take out of your hand. Don't hold on to it with a closed fist. We limit him. Verse 9 says, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. I have commanded a widow to provide for you. He commands, Arise, go, stay. He also promises provision. And once again, we see Elijah. He, he arises and he goes and he prepares to stay in a place that the Lord has commanded. A place with a widow. He knows he's going to see a widow. We know, as we read further, she's a Gentile widow from a pagan nation. We know she's poor, she's destitute, she's starving, and she's probably depressed. I mean, here she's about to go fix her last meal and die, and that's who God has chosen to take care of his prophet. 
don't you know that he was thinking, or he probably wasn't thinking, but I would have been thinking, God must not think very highly of me. He has sent me to this little old lady who's destitute. She's preparing her last meal. She's depressed, and she's about to die, and she's going to be the one to take care of me. Verse 10 says, So he arose, he went to Zarephath, and he came to the gate of the city. Indeed, a woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And she was going, as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, So as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. She's the person that God's commanded to take care of his prophets. You know, we know in Isaiah that he says, his ways are not our ways. And we see as this, this strong man, I mean, we know, I mean, he's a mountain man. Do y'all, do y'all watch uh, Duck Dynasty? And y'all know, mountain man talks real slow. Well, I don't know that Elijah talked like that, but I mean, he's a mountain man. He's a strong man, and here he comes to this little destitute widow to take care of him. How embarrassing it must have been as he come around the corner of the city, and there she is. I'm sure she looked down. I mean, I know she wasn't gathering her sticks thinking this is my last meal and I'm about to die. No, I'm sure she looked down and she looked depressed and he comes around and he asks her for a drink of water and she turns to go and get it and then he says, well, feed me too. And, you know, how scary that must have been for her to follow the command of him to to go and to make that cake knowing, knowing what she has in her bin. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 27 through 29 reads, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen. The things that are not, that he might nullify the things that are. That no man should boast before God. He is God alone, and he is very able. And if he chose this little destitute, pagan, widow woman to take care of his prophet, then she's able, right? Then she can do it. If it were my story, I mean, you know, I would have chosen another superhero that was very much comparable to Elijah. I would have chosen some strong athlete, a rich man, a king. But he chose this destitute widow. What are your thoughts towards his provisions in your life? The things that he chooses to use to provide for you. Do you have a job and you think, you know, I'm, I'm better than this job? Billy shared with us before when, when we, before we had stepped into full-time ministry, so bad wanted to be in ministry, and he had a job working at the medical clinic, and he would, tar the roof and his nice shoes and Tommy Hilfiger slacks. I mean, he'd show up at where there was no telling what they do at that job. It was just silly stuff. Let's, we have a wall here with all these phone books, and we're going to move all these phone books to this wall. And so he would pick up phone books, and he would carry them, and he would move them to this wall. And it was just, it was just busy work, and he did not want to be there. Everything within him, he wanted to be in full-time ministry, and he was doing this job, and he was grumbling, and he was complaining carrying out the trash one day, griping at God. God, you've called me to ministry. Why are you keeping me in this stupid job? And God spoke to him and he said, you're going to stay in this job and you're going to carry out trash so you can do it with the right attitude. So he put a smile on his face and he carried out trash and he did it as he was doing it unto the Lord and it wasn't very short time, short few months 
and God opened the door to full-time ministry. How do, how do we view the provision of the Lord in our life? Do we despise it? Are we disappointed by the things that he brings to us, by the ways that he uses us? Elijah wasn't disappointed. I don't, it doesn't speak of that. When he came around the corner, he's like, really? I mean, you know, he may have been expecting a young widow, one that was driving a Lexus and had this big bunch of food in her pantry, you know, and she's going to take care of him. And then he sees her out there gathering sticks. I mean, gathering sticks meant she was poor. She didn't even have fuel to cook her food. And she's out here gathering sticks for her last meal. Are you disappointed by the provision of the Lord? Do you think we, you deserve better? Or are we thankful for what he's doing in our lives? Too many times we question the how. Too many times we question the how instead of remembering the who that commanded it. Don't question the how. God, I don't see how you're going to do it. I remember one time Billy and I were talking about something. He was wanting to do, make some big, bold move for God. And I was, no, we can't do that. No, no. And so he said something, and I said, well, the only way that's going to happen is if God does it. And he said, okay. And then I was, you know, I was all mad about it. <laughs> but it's true. It doesn't, the how doesn't matter. It's the who. If God commanded it, it's his responsibility. He knows if he commanded, he's a big boy. He can take care of it. He can handle it. So we need to get our eyes off of our condition, off the instrument. She was simply an instrument that God was using to get to the prophet exactly what he needed. Get your eyes off your condition. Get your eyes off your instruments. And remember that he alone is your source. And he is able. He is able. By, by human measurement, how reasonable would it have been that this man of God could have found anything in this woman's house. But yet we know for three and a half years she was able to feed her family. Verses 13 through 16 say, And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as I have said, but make me a small cake first. Bring it to me, and afterwards make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and, she and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Elijah asked her by faith, Ask her to give out of her need. Many times we're asked to give out of our need. You know, sometimes tithing doesn't make sense. I have $500 worth of bills and I have $500 and you're asking me to give $50. We give out of our need. And when we give out of our need, we see that God always comes to our rescue. He always comes to our side. And so Elijah here, I mean, every morning this little lady, she comes in, and by faith she dips her hands down into that flower bin, and by faith she raises up her hands, and there sits her miracle. And she pours it into the bowl. And by faith she grabs that jar of oil, oil and she tilts it, and oil comes out. And there comes her miracle. And she makes a cake. And the next morning she goes in and by faith she digs her hand down into that bin and she raises up her miracle. She gives out of her need. And she allows God to meet her obedience. She activated a miracle. 
She gave her first cake, and she activated her miracle. Give out of your need and activate your miracle. The same is true for us today. God has already given from his side. He gave us Jesus, and we have everything we have need of in him. It's up to us to step out and give back to him and activate our miracle. Give him something to multiply. Give him that flour and give him that oil and give him something to multiply. What are we holding on to that we're afraid to let go of because we say it's my last cake. I'm going to eat it and I'm going to die. And I'm afraid to give it up. I'm afraid to let go of it. I'm afraid. And so fear is dictating I'm going to die. But she gives it up. She activates a miracle, and we know that she feeds her household for three and a half years. There's an old saying that says, without God, you cannot, and without you, God will not. It's true. We've been saying it. It's been the theme here for the last several months, that God chooses for whatever reason to limit himself. It is a great mystery to us, to his body, to earthen vessels, to do everything and anything that gets done in his kingdom. Without me, I, without me, God will not work. And without you, he will not work. He has chosen to use his body to advance his kingdom. And so give him something to multiply. Don't hold on to it. Elijah asked by faith to give out of her need. It didn't make sense. Sometimes, most I find in my life, pretty much all the time, that what God asks me to do doesn't make sense. That's faith. I remember Augustina says, you know, it said that from old prayer meetings before we began to build the church that God spoke and said that he would cause the ground to rise up and meet our feet. That's, that's faith. That's taking the step and not seeing. We want, we want to see, you know, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. And God's saying, see it. Get a vision. Just like the song Jennifer sang this morning. Get a vision. See it. And then, and then let him bring it into your life. See it first. Get a vision for your life. And then hang on to that with everything that is within you. We want to first see it. I want to know that ground's there. But in that, I'm living in of myself and in and of my inadequacies. If I can't feel it, then I'm not trusting God to do it. And so give him something to multiply out of your life today. If you'll bow your heads with me and our altar workers, workers will come and Jennifer will come back to the keyboard. Thank you, Jesus. First, I want to ask, are you in a spiritual condition where you can hear God's instructions? God is speaking. He is continually speaking. And so, do you know him as Lord and Savior? Is there something between the two of you that would cause communication to be inhibited? If you're not in a spiritual condition to where you can hear God's instructions, I ask you to please come. Come and remove anything that would keep you from hearing the things God is speaking to you. If you think, you know, I'm, 
my life belongs to him, but I feel like he isn't speaking to me, and I don't know what he would have me to do next. And, and honestly, I don't even remember the last thing he told me to do to go back and do. Then come. Find one of these workers. Let them pray with you and, and together begin a journey to the activity of God in your life. Each of us, each one of us is facing a situation, a, a condition, something in our lives today that needs God's supply. Every one of us need His supply. And so the question is, are you resting in your sufficiency? Or are you resting on Him for your needs? Where's your focus? Are you focused on your problem? Are you focused on your Lord? Does your present condition look impossible? Does it look like there is no way that God can meet your needs through the provision that he's brought into your life? There is no way I can pay my bills with this job. There is no way my kids are ever going to come to the Lord. There's no way my, my marriage is ever going to be right. Have you considered that God may be asking you to meet the need of a mo another like this little widow before he meets your need? He may be asking you to give him something to multiply so that he can meet the need of another even in and among your need. But it looks impossible. God, how are you going to do it? All he asks is that we release it to him, that we place it in his hands and we trust it to him. And so if that's you and you're saying, God, I need your supply today, it's all of us, come. Come and place it in his hands. Give him something to multiply. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. Till I found myself face down on your shore. You say, Come to me.